My name is Alex Wilshire, and this is Tronovo Talks. Today, I sit down with Sean Robinson, Vice President for the US Contract and Capital Projects team. We talk about Sean's journey so far, the keys behind his own personal success, advice he would give to people at all stages of their recruitment career, and what he's most looking forward to for the future for Tronovo Group, specifically in the US. So, Sean, how are things? Hey, Alex. Yeah, I'm doing well, thanks. I'm into my... I think my third or fourth month now at Tronovo, so getting settled, um, managed to meet everyone, done the meeting all of the key stakeholders and all of the key players and getting familiar with the business. So so yeah, right into, right into the thick of it now here in Boston. Yeah, nice. Well, it all started with a, a very long journey, didn't it, for you and the family before starting yeah, absolutely. in Boston? <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. We moved up here from, from Texas. We'd spent 10 years um, in the South. And uh, we were looking for a change of lifestyle and looking for just a, a new adventure, really. And it seemed like we're taking on a new position. And it also seemed like a good time to take on a new living situation and go and explore another part of, you know, the the massive, massive, massive country that is that is America. Yeah. Well, those who haven't met you and um, had the pleasure of sort of hearing about your story, it'd be good to tell us about your story so far. I guess a good place to start would be the fact that you don't sound like you're a Texas native. Um, so it's good to talk about your career, recruitment career as well as your, your life journey so far. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, I, I had a, an interesting um, career, I guess, before recruitment. I worked in technical sales in the civil engineering industry, uh, managed a, a large sales team in Europe and had a bit of a midlife crisis uh, when I was about 25 and decided that I wanted to be a professional MMA fighter. Um, I've been doing MMA <laughs> as, for as quite a while. Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, the standard in the UK was not very good back then, as I'm sure you can imagine. And so um, mm. had a, an inflated sense of um, how good I actually was at this particular sport. Basically, nobody knew Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu at the time, and I was quite well um, trained in it. So it was kind of like... Um, had the cheat codes to be able to to be able to win a lot of amateur fights, but probably would never have progressed past there. I, I I did that, and I I sustained quite a a significant injury to my neck, and I decided that that was probably not going to be the right career path for me, and probably not a very lucrative one either, to be honest. Um, a neck injury of all the career paths, if you've got a neck injury, I can't imagine there've been too many worse than uh, PJJ. Yeah, exactly, exactly. You know, and it's so funny now because you see all of these people that are like so beaten up and their lower backs are done and their knees are gone and their elbows are knackered. So yeah, probably a blessing in disguise, really. And I guess probably like everyone who works in recruitment at that particular point, I fell into recruitment. I knew somebody that was working in an agency, had some sales experience already. And so they offered me a job um, to to work in a very similar in the civil engineering industry, but on the recruiting side now rather than selling a technical product. So that was that that was good. I did that for a small agency in the UK. And then I got approached about a job in the US. And at the time, um, I had a, my wife was pregnant um, and we didn't really have a whole lot of prospects in the UK. So we were like, you know what? Let's just go give it a go. Let's go try the American dream. Let's see. Let's mm. see how that works out. And, you know, it, it's been the greatest thing that I ever did. It really has been the American dream for us. We went from, you know, we always say we had a two month old baby, two suitcases and two grand in our bank account. You know, we went from that to being able to progress my career. My wife's been able to stay at home. We've now I've now got three children. Um I've been able to manage some some pretty great people here in America and worked with some fantastic people as well. And yeah, it's been 
it's been the American dream. Um, mm, that's amazing. In terms of in terms of working in the oil industry, um, working in the renewable energy industry, working in the manufacturing industry, I've worked in a lot of different places, been able to better myself and and create a better life for my family because of it. So yeah, it's been it's been a good journey so far. Brilliant. So so you started with a, a smaller agency in the UK. Did you move over with that agency, or did you move over to a, a separate agency that were US based? Yeah, no. At the at the time, there was a US agency, and every UK agency was trying to basically send Brits over to America because obviously, if you can be successful on that little island in that saturated market on those challenging margins, so we say, mm-hmm. um, you can you can be successful anywhere. So, oil was um, one hundred and twenty dollars a barrel, and every British recruitment company in the world that could get an ET visa. We're doing everything that they could to to move Brits over. So I, I moved over with a different agency, a company called Then ES Global Talent, and worked in the oil industry for them for a while. And then after that, I got approached to go work for a, a company out of Scotland called the Orion Group. And um, I ran their business development function and their, um, their recruitment function right the way across the whole of North America for, for a good few years before I then landed at S3. I spent some time, spent four years at S3, four great years there, got a lot of professional development, worked with some fantastic people, and then I ended up here. Um, so now that, that's where I am now, currently at the uh, the Trinovo Group. Brilliant. I mean, that uh, segues nicely into my next question then. Why, why, what was it about Trinovo that appealed to you? For me, work has always been about professional development. And so whenever I've taken on a new position, I've always thought about, what is it that I'm trying to add to my skill set? And then I've always tried to make sure as much as I could that the company, but more so the people that I would be working directly with would be able to offer me that type of development. And so, um, you know, one of the things that I got out of working at S3 is is becoming a, a very polished and very systematic sales leader i i feel like i've always been a good sales leader in terms of could drive performance but i i kind of got a lot of the the science and a lot of the structure behind that at s3 and worked with some Mm. some fantastic people there but i still didn't feel like i was really like a rounded business leader Mm. and so the next step for me is to is to go on that that journey from being a sales leader to being a, a business leader and i looked at the people that i would be working directly with in terms of james cox Ross Gorton, you know, those types of people. And I, I felt like working with them every day, I would get a lot of that development by just by osmosis, mm. but also just given, you know, the companies, the stage of where we're at from an evolution perspective, then, you know, I would learn a lot of those lessons as, as we grow, um, particularly here in North America, where we're still in our relative infancy. Mm. So I wanted to make sure that my professional development was going to be something that was going to be taken care of. But also, you know, whenever I've worked in an agency or whenever I've worked for a company, I've always, I've always throughout the interview process, really vetted them on their sales development process and made sure that people that they're bringing into the business, particularly in recruitment, because it's such a bring, you know, new people in that don't have any industry experience and train them up, put them through the academies. Um, I wanted to make sure that I was joining a company that was doing that in a way that I felt was congruent with the way that i think about recruitment and Mm. 
that's what I got from 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 chatting to James and chatting to Ross about the standard operating model that Trenovo have the and the way in which we train people. So so yeah, that that was a th- those are the two big things for me. It was like my own professional development and the professional development of the people that that will be working in the organization. Absolutely. So you, you've seen it on the other side, obviously with S three, one of the the largest specialist recruitment businesses in the world, and having those processes being fundamental to that and getting those fundamental processes in place at Trenovo is going to be obviously how, how we succeed in, in the future. Um, but it's still at that point where there's enough or well, huge opportunity for you, you to make that impact within that. You, you've obviously mentioned there one of the key things for you in your career is that personal development piece. What What is your advice from the experience that you have gained in, in your time in recruitment? What is your advice to anyone else at any stage within their career, recruitment career? Yeah, it's a, it's a good question, right? Because um, I think that one of the things that was embedded in me quite early is that most recruitment companies and most sales companies, to be honest, don't really have unique value propositions. Mm. Like Tronovo actually do with a lot of our o- offline communities and a lot of the DEI work that we do, as well as the recruitment piece. But most recruitment companies are kind of the same, right? They're all kind of like, they've got a similar global footprint they've got a Mm -hmm. similar story they're founded by similar people they work with similar clients they play similar candidates so the thing that was embedded in me from a very early age in my sales career was that you don't differentiate yourself by what you sell you differentiate yourself by how you sell Mm -hmm. and so you know being able to show credibility being able to take somebody through a, a sales process and you know they enjoy it it doesn't feel like a necessary evil that is all about for me is all about professional development and making sure that you have a, a style and making sure that that style is congruent with like who you are as a person so for me the advice i would give people is that you want to make sure that the company that you're going to work for have a strong focus on lnd and that it's not something that's just like a static thing that they created once and it just sits there and now it goes to everyone but is it constantly being re- refined and updated by the people on the front line who are actually doing the job in 2022 but mm. then the flip side of that is like it's a two-way street right like you you are in charge of your own professional development your company should offer it to you and there should be a suite of services that you can take them up on but it's really down to you because mm. professional development is is an investment in yourself and it's something that no matter where you work the company the location it's something that you'll take with you mm-hmm. and so I, i've always had the mindset that okay the company should offer me professional development but what am i doing on my own that that mm-hmm. for me is is the big thing and whenever i interview people now the question that i ask everyone is what are you reading mm-hmm. and you know the most common response right now as well i don't actually read but i listen on audible that's yeah. probably the most common one probably um, on 1.2 times the normal speed as well <laughs> to get <through> quickly <laughs> yeah some of them are brutal right um <laughs> but yeah you know it's like you get an insight into the into the way that the person thinks is mm. is this somebody that wants to better themselves and wants to use the wealth of information that's out there these days i mean a quick Mm. google search you'll find communities you'll find podcasts you'll find books you'll find online courses you'll find offline courses you'll find linkedin posts webinars like it's endless right now and Mm. you know that also presents a a problem in itself right in terms of like saturation and i have seen 
some people get like obsessed with just absorbing information and not actually applying it. So there definitely is like a downside to that. Mm. But there's so much out there right now that if people aren't taking control of their own learning and development, like you're not going to stand out in the crowd. And you know, mm-hmm. you know, not everyone wants to, and that's fine. But but the types of people that we need in in recruitment, particularly when we're starting businesses and when we're trying to conquer new uh, new frontiers, like you need the types of people that are really vested in their own professional development. I think and that's how you can really stand out in an interview process. Absolutely. That true growth mindset piece, I think it is so, so critical because, well, recruitment is a constantly evolving thing. We're dealing with people and people throw in innovative, different challenges at you every single day. Um, but particularly as we're going into new markets, new territories, things change dramatically. Um, so yeah, I, I completely agree with that. I'm going to put you on the spot here a little bit. What you talked there about books, what books would you recommend as being fundamental to any recruitment professional, um, whether they be sales focused or just more generally sort of life focused that you think, regardless of experience, people should be listening to or, well, reading ideally or listening to on Audible. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. So for people that are like relatively new to the business, you know, the three things that you really need in order to be successful are behavior, attitude and technique, right? You You need to think about what are the things that I need to do every single day in order to be successful. And how often do I need to do them? So that there's like the there's the behavior, and then it's like the technique is how am I going to do it? Like what what are the words that I'm going to say? What am I going to put in the email? How am I going to approach this objection? So that's the technique, and then the attitude is really about like how do you feel about the market? How do you feel about yourself? How do you feel about the service that you're providing? You know how do you feel about your company? Which is a lot of like introspective stuff, but you will get pretty much all of that from a book that I recommend to everyone, which is you can't teach a kid to ride a bike at a seminar. It's quite a long title. No, I, like the, I like the analogy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, um, it's a book by David Sandler, who is a sales trainer that now has passed away, but has a, a very large global sales training franchise that is like completely different to every other sales training program that you would ever go through. It's all focused on um, how to sell without selling your soul, how to be different, how to ask challenging questions, how to ask ask questions and how to run a sales process that is is watertight at every stage. And so that is really that's really the book that I would recommend for the technique side of things and the attitude as well, because you'll get both of those. And then behaviorally, I think Jeb Blount's fanatical prospecting is probably the best read that anybody could have from a from a new kind of consultant standpoint. All of the technique in there is pretty bad. Like if you if you look at the way that he suggests that you should write emails or you should make cold calls and things like that, like I don't agree with any of that. But his mindset and his behaviors around time blocking, around list curation, around persistence, all of the behavioral stuff in that book is really, really good for new people. And then from a management perspective, uh, I just had this chat actually with with Kev Adam at AGMM, but from a management perspective, my number one all-time recommendation is um, for disciplines of execution. Mm. Um, a, a really good friend of mine, Jerry Hill, he's a VP of Amir for Connect and Sell, a software company. Um, he's a CRO. He's got a recruitment background. He's one of the best professional salespeople that have fortunately mentored me. He turned me on to four disciplines of execution. It's written by um, Stephen Covey's son, you know, the guy who wrote Seven Habits. Habits of Effective People. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, so he, um, his son wrote 4DX, and it's uh, 
you know, it's it's the one thing that I think was missing for me for a lot of my career was like how to create execution at scale where the entire team are bought into working towards one goal, how to make it, how to make it a visible scoreboard, mm. how to focus on the right things. Like that, that probably is the best management management book that I would recommend, I would say. Brilliant. So you can't teach a kid to ride a bike at a seminar. And that's called <laughs> yeah. prospecting for the behavioral piece and for disciplines of execution. That's good. Yeah. Good those, takeaways. Yeah. That's probably my top three. Um and an our an our honorary mention, I would say, probably to never split the difference by Chris Voss. Um yeah. It's Classic. a fun, yeah. fun, fun book to read, and I actually adapted quite a lot of his stuff into um, objection handling techniques. You know, mm. a lot of a lot of objection handling. I talk about this a lot, but a lot of objection handling techniques are based on magic words that people struggle to recall in the heat of the moment when they're facing objection that feels like rejection. Mm. And so, a lot of Chris's techniques are designed to be used under pressure. Where you don't have to think about what you're going to say more so just like the the frameworks and um mm. he's got some great stuff in there around mirroring and labeling that's really really good for objection handling yeah that is that is a classic anyone i mean i i, I always recommend that one but definitely good to uh good good that you agree on that one um and in, in terms of i mean obviously we've, we've said that there's you know obviously a huge exciting sort of growth trajectory ahead of us what is it that you're most looking forward to in the sort of short term six months longer term 12, 24 months plus. Yeah, you know, there's been some phenomenal groundwork that's been done in the US here by some some really committed and really just amazing professional salespeople, both on the on the contract side and the, the direct hire side for Trinovo in the US, but the business is still in its relative infancy. I think that the business was started here um, mostly by Lauren Langdell right at the start of COVID. And so, you know, there's there's so much opportunity in America. America is the largest technical staffing country and opportunity in the world. Mm. And so, you know, the opportunities really are endless. And I've seen people go on that journey of of starting from a small team. You know, I've I've been on that journey many times myself, where you know you you, you know that our market's good, but you haven't figured out where the niches are yet. Mm. And so, you've got a small team everyone's working really hard every small win is being massively celebrated but you just can't see how this is ever going to be a huge you know behemoth profit center but then a few clients fall into place start Mm. to get some repeat business start to really figure out what are the verticals what are the areas where clients really need support and so you know for me the 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 short term is is launching our biotalent brand here in the u.s Mm. And building on the work that that Taylor and Mike and a lot of the guys in Europe have done, um, we're fortunate that we've already got some great relationships here in the US. But building that brand and then, you know, building out all of our brands and and building out an entire contract offering here in the US. That's really the the long term vision for me. Brilliant. That's amazing. Well, Sean, thanks ever so much for talking today. It's been really good to really good to speak. Some really good takeaway there for people. So yeah, thanks very much. Cool. Thanks, mate. It's always great speaking to Sean. I particularly like the emphasis he puts on personal continuous development. In an industry so driven by performance and numbers, it's sometimes easy to lose sight of your own personal development while prioritizing results. So it's so refreshing to hear Sean's outlook on that. I hope you enjoyed listening too. 
At Trinovo, our mission is to build diversity, create inclusion, and encourage workplace innovation. And our vision is to be the fastest organically growing and most impactful recruitment business on the planet. And we want to build teams that are representative for the society we live in and start to address today's workplace representation gaps. We operate across three brands, Trust in Soda, full lifecycle digital recruitment, Broadgate, business protection and enablement recruitment, and Biotalent, full lifecycle life sciences recruitment, as well as our own social enterprise, ex-military careers. We've also established a number of communities that are helping us to help our clients move towards a more inclusive workforce, such as Women in DevOps, Ethnicity Talks, Diversity in Risk and Regs, and My Race in Life Sciences.